podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is Colin McGuigan for IFL TV, proudly sponsored by Everlast. You've still got that little smirk on your face every time I say my name, but you're used to the accent now because you spent the week. I was just now I was more laughing at my headset. <laughs> the headset is shocking. You're going to get pelters. Do you know what? It's like one of those moments, you know, obviously um, a lot of people call me the Benjamin Button of boxing. But it's times like this where I really feel like I am that middle-aged 40-year-old guy with a headset on that looks like I'm playing Fortnite. <laughs> it actually does look like you're playing Fortnite. You're, <laughs> you've been humbled with a Houston Astros t-shirt on too. Eddie, I want yeah, to... a little bit of history on this one. So uh bought this. I love buying... Like, for someone that knows absolutely nothing about any American sports... I love buying all the gear. Do you know what I mean? So when I went to see Regis Progray the other week, walked into the hotel, totally forgot my gym gear, bought a little Houston Astros t-shirt. Quite, quite, quite liking it, to be fair. It's that middle-aged, 40-year-old. Yeah, orange. Yeah. Yeah. Not quite feeling it. I know Parsons would give you pelters for it, so uh, yeah. I'm not going to get into that. Um, we spent the week in Dublin. The results didn't go the way that Ireland had hoped. Will that deter you from coming back to Dublin? No, definitely not. I mean, it changes things a little bit. I mean, certainly not just Katie's defeat, but Gary's defeat as well. You know, that was that was crippling, really, for Irish boxing. Um, everybody gets a chance to avenge those defeats. Everyone gets a chance to bounce back. But the next one is really key. You know, obviously, there is a rematch clause. We we decide where that fight will take place and where it generates the most money. That is likely to be Ireland. Things have got to change in their respective, you know, Chantel Cameron being the A-side now, basically, in, you know, in, in a lot of ways. But Irish boxing will have another big night soon. But you need to bounce back, you know. And I, th- I feel like... Um, People are always so quick to, you know, be half, you know, glass half, em- half empty when they talk about a night of boxing. Oh, here we go. You know, that's the end of Irish boxing. It's like, why did you put them in with them? You know, it's like, well, one, because we wanted a great fights and great cars. And two, don't be so miserable. You know, just because you lost doesn't mean you can't bounce back. We're going to do another big card in, I don't know, September, October. But... Those fighters need to bounce back. Katie Taylor needs to win. Gary Carley needs to come back. You know, but some some pleasing performances from obviously Paddy Donovan, Keevan, Thomas Carty, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun moving forward. So the the, the week was incredible. The night was incredible. Um, the atmosphere, the way we were received. Um, but like anything, if you don't win things are, are different to if you would have won. So um, I, I, I couldn't have enjoyed the week more, you know, and, and it's just high-level sport, you know, people say, oh, do you think you should have told Katie Taylor not to fight Chantel Cameron? No, she was the favourite in the fight. She got beat by a fantastic performance and a great fight in Chantel Cameron. Um, but obviously for Irish boxing, a couple of results go the other way and, and it's very different. Whenever we think back of that whole week, it was like nothing I've ever experienced in boxing. Obviously, you've been around the block more than me, but 
the fanfare amongst everything was just surreal. People were out in their droves. I mean, even thinking back to that that point when Kitty Taylor walked around the ring at the open workout and you've got all these screaming kids. Is that like anything you've ever experienced before in boxing? No, I mean I said I said during the week, like I've never for all the hatred in boxing and like the toxicness, especially like online and stuff like that. Have you ever known anyone where people really haven't got a bad word to say about them? Like everyone's got their opinion, like them, don't like them, hate them, hate them. But she's just kind of universally universally loved, particularly in Ireland. And you know, I think when you see how she's inspiring that next generation, when you look at the doors that she's opened, basically everyone that fights her, the 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 heroes. Do you know what I mean? They were the ones growing up that every young female fighter that we have says Katie Taylor's my hero. Yeah, she's the one that made me chase my dreams. So in that respect, she'll never be she'll never be beaten in terms of the legacy that she's left. Um, but right now, she's definitely hurting, and all she can think about is avenging that defeat. And she will go into that rematch as an underdog this time around. And you know, two back-to-back defeats can be career-ending. So, last time I saw her on Saturday, I just said, "Look, you got this is an exciting chapter now." Oh, you know, I think she said feels like a terrible dream you know and it was quite trippy wasn't it to see Katie lose you know but it's exciting it's another chapter you know not every chapter gets played out and written the way you want it and and this is should motivate her to come back stronger we'll talk about the Katie loss first in terms of what's next Croke Park's been mentioned I spoke to Frank Smith after the fight and he said he didn't think it was going to be possible for September in Croke Park are you of the same opinion? Do you think that maybe because this fight is even bigger now, Croke Park works for this fight? Is Serrano now dead in the water? Yeah, I think the focus is 100% Chantel Cameron. You know, I think uh, that's the only fight that Katie will want right now. Croke Park, there are definitely conversations to be had. Other stadiums as well. I'll be honest with you, I, I really enjoyed the free arena. I thought it was amazing. And and to walk in there at 5.15 and see 1,500 people already in there, I couldn't believe it. And to see 7,000 people in there at quarter to seven was unbelievable. So I love the arena. And of course, it would be nice to do something different. You are right, it's a bigger fight now because you know not a lot of people knew about Chantel Cameron going into that fight. Now they do. Now Katie's an underdog. Now it's kind of like career on the line kind of stuff. Um, so we'll look at it, but you know, the key is obviously to make sure that everybody's happy, everybody's rewarded in the right way. Um, but I'd be happy to go back to the free arena in all honesty. Does a Serrano fight now take a, a backward step and say, Well, look, this isn't going to happen? Is if Katie Taylor gets beat by Chantel Cameron next time around, we'll never see the Serrano fight? Yeah, I mean, right now, the Serrano fight's off the table, you know, it's, it's just all focus on the rematch. With, with Chantel Cameron. I don't, you know, it's not a case of that fight will never happen. But, you know, if Katie Taylor was to lose against Chantel Cameron in a rematch, could she fight Serrano after? Because it certainly becomes a smaller fight. Um, if she wins against Chantel, I don't know, maybe they do a rubber match. You know, maybe they do it at 135. I, I, I have no idea. But um, I, I feel like the Serrano fight is definitely on the, on the back burner for now. But we'll see what happens. Gary Culley, it was 
weird the way this defeat happened because you were saying all week that Jose Felix was telling you he was apologizing. I'm going to knock mm-hmm. Gary Cully out. He messaged me on Tuesday, Jose Felix, and said, my dad's lost his case. We have none of our gear. In Spanish, mm-hmm. we have none of our gear. I need you to try and help me. And I felt an allegiance to Gary Cully. Do I help this guy? Do I not help this guy? Well, what like, did you what do? do? I do? So I, I helped him get pads. Oh, I think mate. that was far enough. I think this is this could be you could be responsible here. If you hadn't got pads, would he have even won? <laughs> he was going to get them somehow. But yeah. like this is what I'm talking about. This guy comes from nothing, arrives with no pads, no gear, tells you he's going to knock out Gary Colley and does it. He's now signed the match room for what a two a two fight deal. What do you do with mm-hmm. this kid? I, I think look, for, firstly, like a lot of people say that. Do you know what I mean? Not about the bag, but about. I'm going to do this. I'm going to knock this person out. The reality is, and you know, I, I said about Conor McGregor having half a pop at me, you know, after the fight. Gary Cully's team chose Jose Felix, and rightfully so, by the way. With all due respect to Jose Felix, he can bang a little bit, but he's fairly limited, right? Tyrone McKenna beat him on points, Sandor Martin beat him on points. You know what you get with him. He comes forward, he has a go, but really nowhere near world level, really, or, or certainly elite world level. So Gary Carley comes out, you know, the, the ring walk was unbelievable, like spine tingling, and got carried away. Didn't box smart, had his chin in the air, traded up with his chin in the air, got caught and never recovered. And it was a devastating defeat, devastating with everything that's in front of him. But you know, you have to wipe yourself down and you have to brush yourself down. You have to go again. He's still got a huge future. Whether he chooses to rematch Jose Felix, which he could do as well, it's a dangerous rematch against that kind of star when your confidence is low and you've just been stopped like that. It's a bit bit like Warrington against Maurizio Lara. Same kind of thing. You know, but I don't like the way boxing, you know, before that fight, Everyone's criticising the fight, right? Oh, everyone's telling us Gary Cully wants big fights. Why is he fighting this guy? He's this, he's that. I said, look, it's an exciting fight. Felix is going to come to fight. You're going to, you know, it's going to be a good fight to watch. No, it's a joke, blah, blah, Knocks out Gary Cully. Well, what are they doing in putting him in with Jose Felix? I mean, if you can't beat Jose Felix, you have to readjust, learn, and go again if you're going to be fighting at world level. Because the level above Jose Felix is where Gary Cully was going to go. And if you can't pass those tests, you're not ready. It's not the end of the career. It's a devastating defeat. He's a young man. He's going to come back. Now, that fight was at 138 pounds. Now, I wonder whether we should be moving to 140. You know, he's a huge lightweight. Looks very, very weak sometimes when he makes the weight. But him and Pete Taylor will know best, and he'll be back. But, you know, and you also have to give props to Jose Felix who came here, you know, and they're the kind of opponents really you want for the show. They come with loads of heart, they come to win, but they're just not world-class. But what they can do, if you make a mistake, they'll punish you. And Gary got carried away with an amazing atmosphere. Easy done. Easy done in that kind of atmosphere. Is it a comeback fight against someone, maybe like Maxi Hughes? Now, we know that he's tied up with a Cambosis fight that's that's upcoming but is that the type of fight that you put Gary Colley in with next because 
I'm not saying Maxi Hughes hasn't got KO power, but his record doesn't suggest that. And it's a fight where yeah. Gary Coley can get a name recognition. I don't like the idea of avoiding punches. Like, you know, I mean, I know Jose Felix has got 30 knockouts against 36 opponents. But if you look at those knockouts and the pedigree of the people he's beaten, like, he can he can definitely punch heavier than most, but he's not like, you know, this guy's not Gennady Golovkin. So, really, now Gary's team have got, to, you know, every, everything really depends on the mentality. It's a young kid. He's not someone who's 32 who wants to get straight back into big fights. I, I, I have no problem stepping down a level, getting that confidence, but then you've got to bounce back. You know, for me, it's maybe a 10-rounder, and then, you know, do you rematch Jose Felix? But again, very dangerous. And, you know, but you, you say that, Colin, no one thought Jose Felix was going to win that fight. You know, not one person said, tell you what, this is a dangerous fight. No one. And then after the fact, it's like, Wow, that was crazy putting him in with him. It's like, no, 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 he just made a mistake. Um, and other boxers, Sandor Martin, good example, even Tyra McKenna outboxed him and won on points. You know, Gary went for the knockout, got carried away, had his hands down and got chinned. That's what happens. And, you know, he's got to mentally overcome that now. And that's going to be a, a big hurdle, but I'm sure he'll do it. Does. Does Jose Felix now sign with Matchroom? And what do you do with him? You've got never grown Mexican stable now at Matchroom. What are you going to do with Jose Felix? Yeah, I mean, again, he we have got two options on him now. And, and one of those may be the rematch with Gary Cully. Um, But you know with Jose Felix, he's up for fighting anyway. And you can put him in wherever you want. He becomes a little bit of a danger man, which is funny. Because he was never a he's never been a danger man. But now he's probably quite tough to match because people will be saying, well, oh, we're not fighting Jose Felix. Where everyone before, people have been queuing up to fight. So exciting for him. And nice in a way, like you said, comes with very little and now lands himself a bigger payday next time out. Kevin Ajarko wins on points, 10 months out of the ring. Happy enough with that performance? Yeah, I thought so. I thought he started really well. Um I think he damaged his thumb a little bit in the fight. Um, Grant Dennis was bang up for it, you know, had a good camp. And I think that it was, Keevan probably isn't over the moon with his performance, but I think when he looks back, he'll be really pleased that he banked the 10 rounds because next time out, you know, he's going to be in a real fight. And, and then once he comes through that one, he's going to be in a really big fight. And I like the Troy Williamson fight. You know, I think... There are a lot of fighters that sometimes don't like, say, domestic fights or fights between, you know, Brits and Irish and stuff like that. I love those fights. You know, and I said to Paul Reddy, his, his manager, for me, there's no value in bringing over an international fighter that no one's ever heard of that might be as good as Troy Williamson. Let's make a fight like that. You know, Troy Williamson's a good fighter. He's going to come to fight, be an exciting fight. And I would expect Keevan to come through that fight. And when he does, then we can look at the big names on a world level. Um, but a small break for him, back to the gym, and, and on he goes. You know, he's going to be in very exciting fights. Paddy Donovan and Thomas Cardi, both with, with good wins. Will they both be uh, matchroom standings? Yeah, I mean, Thomas, we've worked with most of his career, really. Obviously, managed by Dillian White. Really... I love the fight and big shout out to Jay McFarlane because he was great value all week. Love the guy, hilarious. And 
you know, really tried his, his best in there, kept getting up, you know, and Thomas was sharp. When, when he when he had just, say, slowed his feet down, but when he got on his toes and boxed from the outside, he boxed really well. You know, the straight shots were, were impressive and he, he knocked, it, was a, it was a great knockout. So, love to keep working with Thomas and Paddy Donovan as well. I think with Paddy, I said to Andy Lee, I just think you need to step him up now. Like, he's had, what, 11 fights now? Um, he's a great talent. He's exciting, looks the part. And all of those guys that featured will feature on a rematch as well. But they'll be in bigger fights, you know? So... You know, everybody gets their go, and hopefully with some more Irish talent on as well. Thomas Cardi against Johnny Fisher, is that one that you maybe want to win? Yeah, make? it's a good fight. I mean, I think that's um, maybe not a million miles away. You know, I think both those guys can be built well, but both guys are at the stage where one or two more fights, like you, there's not really much opposition to, to deal with from an Irish or an English or a British point of view. I think Thomas Carty against Johnny Fisher is a, a really exciting fight. What did you make of uh, Haney and Lomachenko on Saturday night? Um, I haven't watched it in its full entirety. I followed it on Twitter during the, the time and watched some heavy highlights. I don't like, I hate this thing in boxing where it's like, oh, it's, what a robbery. It's like, well, what did you score? Oh, 100%. It was 115, 130. Again, for Loma. So it was hardly a robbery, is it? Like, that's your opinion. It can easily be 115, 113 the other way. Um, I guess most people felt that Lomachenko won the fight. But sometimes in boxing, like people make up their mind before the fight's even taken place. Do you know what I mean? And it's like you score in a fight, oh Loma's robbed here, Loma, you know. What it looks like to me was a really close fight. Um, I guess 116, 112, you know, isn't, um, most people felt that was a wide card. But it's what you like, I guess. I mean, you know, I thought it was quite funny seeing Aaron go up to Lomachenko on the stage. Obviously, didn't know the mics were on. He was like, but I love Bob because he just don't care. He's like, you were robbed. You won that fight easy. And... Yeah, also, thought it was funny that he said, you know, I don't understand why we've got three American judges here for an American versus a Ukrainian. Well, he knows that whenever you stage a fight in Nevada, that's what they insist on, three Nevada judges. So that's probably not fair either, but I don't know. Um, I'm pleased for Devin. You know, they called him the email champion. He's gone out, he's fought Cambosis twice in, in Australia, beat him comfortably and now beating Lomachenko. So there's some big fights ahead for him. There's rumours that he's signed another two-fight extension with top rank. First of all, do you know anything about that? And secondly, have you spoken to him? Will you speak to him about coming back to match uh, um, Oh, hang on. Sorry, you got me there, yeah? Um, yeah, yeah, but... Yeah, so... I don't believe he signed a new contract with Top Rank. I think Coppinger came out and said no, that's not the case. Um, <clears throat> Devin's Devin's very expensive. He always has been. He's done a great job in that respect. And I think in the past, his purses haven't necessarily reflected his commercial value. But now, when you look at what he's done, he's kind of earned the right for those numbers. 
I think, you know, if we go to Devin Haney now, we're going to him with the British pro-grade fight. You know, obviously you've got the Ryan Garcia fight with DeZone, Golden Boy. Um, and if you're top ranked, you're going to him and saying, we've got Shakur Stevenson, or we've got the winner of Lopez against Taylor, perhaps. And if you're PBC, you're saying we've got Chavonta Davis, we've got Roly Romero. If I'm Devin Haney, I'm probably leaning towards free agency in a respect. To, it's a bit dangerous because obviously he's undisputed at 135. If he moves up to 140, he's beltless. Right? So anyone's going to want to, how it works in this game is they're going to want to tie you in. So if you're giving him a shot, they're going to want you to sign a five-fight deal. I think he should limit himself to two fight deals because really there's so many fights that he could take. Um, if I'm him, I want to fight Rodi Romero for the, for the WBA 140 title because he'll just fancy that fight and he'll smash Rodi Romero. You know, um, he, he's not going to be wanting the Shakur Stevenson fight because he's just, it's not that big and it's a huge risk fight. I would think he might fancy the tank fight and I think he's got a great chance in that fight. I think he'd love the Ryan Garcia fight. I'm not sure how he feels about Regis Progress. That's a very tough fight. But Devin's capable of winning or being competitive in most of those fights. So, I mean, he's got a big future. And, you know, he's, he has just beaten Lomachenko. Like, whether you think the fight was close or not, he has. So you need to give him the respect at the same time. You just mentioned Regis Progress. We've had announced that Progress invites Sorilla in New Orleans. How did that fight come about and why not Arnold Barboza? Because we've seen Rick Moriggian's been quite vocal about it. Yeah, we made, we made Arnold Barboza three different offers via top rank and the money was a lot more than we were paying Liam Parra and I liked that fight but we run it, you know, they come back and they can talk about this money, that money. The, the reality was it was five weeks notice or, or less and I don't think Barboza was ready unless you overpaid him. Like, I don't know what Barboza's going to do. Um, Zorilla had a really good fight with Barbosa. If you watch it back, it was a very good fight. It's Puerto Rican, he comes to fight. I like the style. We do have three weeks to go. So, you know, it wasn't easy to get a, a, a major name, but Zorilla will come to fight and he's a talent. And I think it'll be a good fight for Regis to move into the big fights. Where do you move Regis on from after this fight then, if he does come through? I'd like to make the Matias fight, you know, the unification. I want Regis to try and pick up those belts. Um, Matthias is a free agent at the moment, but I'm sure he's got offers as well. But I'd like to try and find a way to make that happen. Uh, if not, Jack Cattrall against Dara Foley this weekend in Manchester is a great fight. I think the winner deserves a shot at the world title as well. So for me, that's kind of like an unofficial eliminator for the world title. Um, but but the focus for Regis Brograde has come through June 17 and then moving to the unifications. Before we touch on this weekend and would Lara have a few American-based questions for you. First of all, Baumgartner getting her revenge against Lemovar mm. in her home city of Detroit. How big is that show for Matchroom? Another, yeah, it's a another great, I mean, I, again, every time we go to a new city, fantastic. You know, obviously Detroit littered with boxing history. I, I'm trying to think if I've ever even been to Detroit for any reason. I think maybe for a short stop. But I want to I want to get there. I want to feel the history of the sport there. Great card. Baumgartner, Lenardo, fantastic fight. Obviously, Lenardo, the only person that's ever beaten 
Alicia Baumgart. And Montana Love against Richardson Hitchens. Great fight. One of the top fights at 140 pounds. The beef is going to be off the charts for this fight. Uh, and Andy Cruz as well, making his professional debut against Burgos and plenty more to be added. So that, that card, I like it when the boxing community come out and say, love that card, you know, and obviously there's a lot more to come, but it's going to shape up to be a great night in, uh, in Detroit. Nice venue, looks like four and a half, five thousand. We believe we're going to sell that out. It's a big night for Alicia. She deserves it. You know, she went over to London on an away show, beat Michaela Meyer. She boxed on co-main event at Madison Square Garden, beat Erica Cruz. Now she gets her own night in Detroit. And, and you know, she's been a, a fantastic success story. It's going to be a brilliant night. Hitchens Love is probably a main event in the States in itself, mm. to be honest. And the way it's going to sell is going to be phenomenal because they both hate each other. We were both there in Cleveland when they were going at it. In terms of that fight, does that maybe be a last chance saloon for Montana Love? Because if he loses this, yeah, what do you maybe. Go? I mean, again, it's a risky fight for him to take, and I, I respect him for taking it, but he believes he can win. And both those guys need that win to give him the profile. I mean, when we're talking about Regis Progre, who's next, we talk about Catchell against Foley. The winner of Montana Love against Richardson Hitchens is also primed to fight Regis Progre in a big American fight, you know? And... That fight will get a lot of attention, a lot of eyeballs, and it's the kind of fight that's going to make the winner a star, kind of fight that's going to make the winner positioned to fight for a world title. So it's going to be a great night. It's going to be a great fight, that fight, and, and looking forward to the build-up. We've seen uh, Tyson Fury come out and say that he's looking at stadiums up and down Australia. He wants to fight Dempsey McKean. You deal with Dempsey McKean. Is that a fight that you're open to making? Yeah, of course. He's it's absolute right. Tyson Fury ain't fighting in Australia. I mean, but he goes over to the press conference and listen, he's a he's a entertainer. So he wants to get everyone excited, everyone talking and but he ain't fighting in Australia next. You know, I, I don't see Tyson Fury taking any other fight this year other than Alexander Usyk in December. Because the money that he wants is just not achievable in any other fight. So We'll see. But um, yeah, I, I wouldn't expect to see him fighting down under soon. But Dempsey McKean would snap the hand off for the fight. You know, he's dying out for a big fight. We are close to making Dempsey McKean against Philip Hergovic. Uh, but at the same time, he's just desperate for a big fight. And he would obviously jump at a Tyson Fury fight. How close is that December? Um in Saudi, how close is that to being made? AJ Wilder, Fury, you see? Um, we haven't had an official offer yet from Saudi, which is incoming by all accounts. They know the numbers that we made for the Ruiz fight and the, the Usyk fight, obviously, and this is a much bigger fight than that. But they're getting everything together from their end, and we expect to receive that hopefully this week. We are planning, AJ's back in um, Texas now, back in camp. So the plan is to fight in early August. But at the same time, who that is kind of depends on what happens this week. But we need to get moving. So whatever happens this week, we will be looking to finalise that August date if we do fight then and move forward with, with preparation. What date in August and where? Looks like the first week in August or the second week in August. I think it'll be in London. 
depending on who, could be a stadium. Um, but yeah, let, let's see. Connor Ben and Kelbrick, bit of beef at the weekend in Dublin. First of all, was that staged or was no. that genuine beef I mean, between look, those two? I, I don't think you don't. They, those two don't speak, right? Ever. So they're not going to message each other and go, look, what I'm going to do is I'm going to come up to you in Dublin and I'm going to like push you and you push me back. And like, you know, now Connor Ben has obviously seen Kel Brook. They've exchanged some words on social and, you know, maybe he wants to get in his face. So I don't believe it was staged. But I do believe Connor probably had a little bit of uh, anger in him and wanted to stick it on him. And, you know, we saw the results of that. I don't think it's... I think it's a brilliant fight. But it's not the fight next to Connor because Kel's not going to be ready till October, November, December. And, you know, there's a lot happening for Connor Ben at the moment. And we still hope for him to fight in June or July. But... You know, that's going to be the result of conversations with, with his legal team. Um, and hopefully, sooner rather than later, we'll have some news of a big fight for him. Is there a potential that he fights on the New Orleans undercard? Because I know that was something that you were talking Maybe, about. Maybe, but again, in the last sort of few days, there's other opportunities that have presented themselves. So we have to go through those. And you know, if he does fight in New Orleans, it will be ultimately a tick-over fight. But he wants to come back in, in a big, big fight. And that's what we're discussing at the moment. Brooke Ben, does that happen in the UK or would yes, that be taken yeah, away? No, definitely UK fights. And again, that's subject to the conversations with UK, but it wouldn't be in the summer anyway. It would be it would be a, a sort of early winter fight. Are we expecting something from UCAD over the next couple of weeks? Uh, hopefully. You know, I mean, again, Connor's legal team are dealing with them and hopefully we can get a positive outcome. Um, but I'll leave that with him and I'm not involved with that process but that's the plan Liam Smith was ringside sitting beside you a lot of people have been saying that he's on his way back to match room any comment to make on that? No look you know obviously he's injured at the moment um, and that fight's getting rescheduled or, or not I don't know but we've got a great relationship with Liam we've got a great relationship with Alder Smith they know what we're about you know, Callum knows what we're about. Paul knows what we're about. Stephen, they've all worked with other promoters in the past. They know we're the best at what we do. They know we're the most honest. But Liam's got loads of opportunities out there. And I don't know his contractual situation. Um, but we'll respect that, obviously. And if the opportunity comes up to work with Liam Smith, we'd definitely like to do that again. We'll move on quickly because I know you're pushed for time. Wood Lara this weekend... How big is this for Lee Wood? Is this the last chance to learn? Yeah, it might be. You know, I said that in an interview. I said that in an interview at the weekend. I guess it is, really. I mean, again, you get fighters when you say it's win or retire. Like I, People sometimes think that's a bit harsh. But at the same time, he only wants to be in world-level fights. And if he loses to Maurizio Lara, okay, maybe the Josh Warrington fight. Maybe, but he, you know, he's making big money and he's going to want... Like, these fighters, once they start making big money, it's very difficult to go back. You know, he's changed his life through this, but I'm so pleased for everything he's achieved. I wouldn't be surprised if he wins this Saturday. Honestly. Like, there's something about Lee Wood 
when he sat in here with Ben Davison, maybe six, seven weeks ago, eight weeks ago, I said to him, look, you can let Warrington fight Lara and you can fight the winner. More time for you. No, I need this fight now. I know I can beat him. And Ben was, you know, backing him, but Ben also knows how dangerous this fight is. But there's something inside Lee Wood just makes me feel like he might do it on Saturday, you know. I, I don't know. I mean, balls of steel to go back. It's going to be, it's going to be brutal to watch this fight because Maurizio Lara is going to come out much faster. Maurizio Lara is going to really believe he can take him out early in this fight. He knows he can hurt him, but he also knows about the power of Lee Wood. You know, and you saw that in the first fight. He was a little bit more cautious than he normally is. But I really feel this fight is going to be a bloodbath on Saturday. I think it's going to be a brilliant fight, full of drama. And I believe it's a 50-50 fight. I really do. And, and for Maurizio Lara, he needs to win this fight. And then he's, you know, big, big fights out there for him, whether that's Warrington, maybe the winner of Conlon against Lopez, um, Navarretti, like whoever that might be. Sorry, but not Navarretti. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, I think this is a tremendous fight and I think it's going to be full of drama. Conlon Lopez over in Belfast. How do you think that one goes? Hmm. I was impressed with Lopez, but he did, you know, once he just stuck it on him, there's a lot of moans, you know, he's very dangerous early. I think if Mick can weather the storm early in that fight, I think he can win the fight. Um, he could get stopped. But I think he's smart enough to navigate through that. He's very awkward, Lopez. Punches very sharp, horrible style. But, you know, Mick's awkward, Mick's smart. A lot of it depends on the, the Mick's punch resistance coming off the Leewood fight. I know he's had wins since then, but he's never really been any big, dangerous fights. And when he gets hit flush on the chin by Lopez, if he can weather that, I think he wins. Are you open to that unification fight? Yeah, for sure. Lee Wood yeah, yeah. I mean, Lee Wood against Maurizio Lara, obviously, would, I mean, sorry, Lee Wood against Conlon would be a massive unification rematch. Maurizio Lara against Lopez would be a massive fight in Belfast or wherever. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, he's with top rank, no problem doing a deal with those guys. And, and I think if Mick wins, he's going to want to, I, th I think there's a rematch. I would expect there to be one. He's getting a voluntary shot, but, you know, wish him all the best. Good bloke good family, and um, it would mean a lot to them to get the win. Another fight across in London, well, Bournemouth, Coley Dillon Smith. How do you, you see that one going, and has there been any discussions about this ring walkdown? No, not with me, no. We've only spoke to George Warren. We've, we've just arranged that Maurizio Lara and, and Conlon don't clash. We're on around 10 o'clock, I think they're 9, nine o'clock, so I guess um, Sky will go 10.30 or whatever that be. Um, going to happen in that fight I mean it could be a real stinker but I think Shane and Billum Smith know Coley well enough to know what they think they have to do actually they know what they have to do not think, they know what they have to do he's just doing it against Lawrence you know he hits hard, he's got these arms that just tie you up, 
And that's why Lawrence has to do, Lawrence can knock out Billum Smith, 100%. But Billum Smith said an interesting thing, which is, you know, he never really gets hit flush at Coley. See, the thought process is that Coley ain't got a great chin. We don't actually know that because we've never seen him get stopped in a fight, but they may have seen something in the gym where they think maybe like if we hit him clean, we'll take him out, but it's just hitting him clean. And Lawrence is going to do everything he can to hit and grab and just smother his work. So it's going to be a frustrating night for Billum Smith, but he's got to try and find a way to land. Well, Eddie, thank you very much for your time. I know Coogan and Joe will be with you in Manchester this week, and I'm sure that you'll speak to them then. So thank you for your time this Monday, and I appreciate it, mate. No worries, mate. And it's Tuesday. Thank it's you. Fun. Oh, it is Tuesday. Jeez, what? <laughs> I've lost it. Sports Social Podcast Network.